Pod. Pod. The man has missed six games in four years. Six games in four years. Oh, six, ten, game, in, ten games in five years. He doesn't miss games. He shows up to work. <laughs> and if you talk about loving Kyrie, but you can't have Kyrie, tell me somebody who's closer to Kyrie than Kemba in terms of their style of play and what they're capable of delivering. So I look at it from that standpoint. We already got people in the comments. I almost called you Kemba. (laughs) (laughs) Kemba! Oh, man, we did it. So a stunning event within the course of a month now. We've known for about two weeks, three weeks now that Kyrie Irving is going to be departing in free agency. And it looks like that's official now. But in a stunning turn of events the last few days, we now have Kemba Walker planning to become a member of the Boston Celtics tomorrow when free agency starts at 6 o'clock. It's barely 6 o'clock today. Alex Kungu with me here today. And it's done. It's a done deal. Does that bother you like it does some of the other people out here, regardless of the Celtics impact? No, I feel like that's... Complaining about tampering at this stage is like equivalent to uh, complaining about your controller when you're down 21 plus in 2K. Like it's not the like leave it alone. It's not it's not worth it. Like it's not a big deal. Every, if every team does it, no one is being disadvantaged by it. Is is the way I see it. So so let's engage with that audience. So we're gonna get down to it with the Celtics blog audience here. This is the Celtics blog podcast. Havlicek stole the pod. If you're watching on Twitter, subscribe. We're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, just type in Celtics Blog Podcast on Google and you'll get us the recorded version of this. And we're here live with you today to talk about Kemba, whether you're angry about the tampering or thrilled about the future. Let's let's do it. <laughs> they like the rainbows in the background of me here. I got this old wallpaper from when <laughs> I was a kid. I think this used to be my room when I was a kid. Now it's my little podcast office. So what are your initial thoughts, Kangu? Are you thrilled about it, or do you have some reservations about how much cap's taken up now on just two guys between Hayward and Kemba? Yeah, I mean, it's the type of move that you make now when you know you still want to be competitive. Um, this is a guy that's going to be in his prime for throughout the duration of his contract. Um, you pair him with Gordon Hayward, you're hoping, you know, two years removed from that um, traumatic ankle injury, he's kind of more comfortable back to who he is. And Kemba kind of has he kind of has some similarity to Isaiah Thomas, and that he's able to kind of play and move off ball. I'd like to see maybe that means like more Hayward getting chances to run the offense, more Tatum's things of that nature. Is he a big and free because, throw like, guy? Um, he's a bigger free throw guy than Kyrie, all right, per comparison. But he's not. He wasn't like peak Isaiah Thomas. I can we can do great podcasting and pull up the numbers while we're talking which is what i'm trying to do and (laughs) you know the stuff um, we should have done before (laughs) yeah so free throws he's at like he was at 5.5 he shot them at 84.4 percent um that's exactly what you're looking for off the top yeah off the top i think that i think that's relatively good for um a guy of his position and considering you're hoping that hayward can kind of get back to that um, some of the guys you drafted, like we drafted, are good at that. So ultimately, like he fits, he fits the whole theme of culture reset. Um, he's not too old that like he's kind of because I've seen a lot of things like oh, like he's going to be in his thirties. But it's important to know that he turned twenty nine last month, 
which means that he'll be 32 by the end of the four-year deal. Yeah, so it's they, not like it's not like they signed him for ten years. They went exactly. with the four, and you got you got to exactly. do what you got to do to get the star talent in here. Now, my first big takeaway from this is the Celtics are still in the game when it comes to being a destination. This one just slams that out of the park. Kemba didn't even take a meeting with another team. Now I, I'm wondering what the attraction is for that. I, I'm wondering why he didn't even think about the Lakers or some of the other destinations. You know, normally guys take meetings. Normally they play this out a little bit. The writing's been on the wall with Kemba the last two days. I, listening to the back channels, this thing's been in the works. So I'm wondering, like, what's the strong draw for him here? That's my biggest question right now because it's amazing from the Celtics' perspective. Three max free agents in four years, which was just unthinkable 10 years ago. Now, maybe you say these aren't the best players in the league, but these are certainly guys who are going to keep you in contention for the Eastern Conference Finals as the team has been for pretty much a half decade now. Yeah, and I mean, that's another good point. Um, you're, what it, it keeps you in the game in terms of being competitive, and then it also keeps you a piece away, you know, like... Maybe maybe that piece is Jason Tatum developing into a superstar, or possibly he could still take a leap, but maybe another star becomes available, and this one maybe isn't you know so hell bent on going to a specific team, and then suddenly you're able to pair that superstar now because because you have Kemba because you have Hayward, um, you're able to then pair that superstar and then still put out potentially a contending team. So this definitely keeps the Celtics one like in the mix as like one of the top four teams in the East. And then it also keeps them play as a team that's a move away from potentially um, becoming that title team that they're looking for. And it sounds like things are moving on the Kawhi Leonard front too. As we start to take a bigger picture, look at the East toward tomorrow, he's going to be meeting with the Clippers, Lakers. He's entertaining the whole LA experience. You hope that goes in one direction and everybody knows which direction I'm talking about when it comes to Los Angeles. Because we want to see parity next year. All of us basketball people, we want to see it. We want to see what the league is. <laughs> They're still commenting on my wallpaper, Kangaroo. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we want to see parity. We want to see eight teams in play for an NBA championship next year. Now, maybe you say Kawhi, LeBron... Davis, year one, getting in there with how competitive the West is, isn't an automatic draw. But what it does do is pull away from how good the Clippers can be, that kind of thing. You want to have as many title contenders as you possibly can. I'm I'm there. And, you know, maybe people say the Warriors were good for the league. That super team was intriguing. There's a, there's a whole lot of other people out there who want to see the parody side of things, too. And I'll give it to the Warriors. I had fun for those years. I just want to switch it up now. It can't just be one after another after another because there'll be another one coming down the line. I just, I'm just i just not ready for it the next year. Yeah, and I mean, it's possible that we could be looking at a scenario where you have two superstars in L.A. and Braun and A.D. You have two superstars maybe in the other team in L.A. or possibly... Uh, New York, um, then you obviously have, we want to see what's going on with the Sixers, but that who, who's going to be with them and their two young stars. And, you know, the Bucks are still the Bucks. So this could be a, a, a situation where, like, at the top, there's a lot of, there's like a lot of star power with, with some of the top teams in the NBA. So um, we'll see. Because, I mean, obviously, Kawhi could 
completely change all of that by choosing to go to the Lakers. But um, as it looks right now, there there is a very good chance that we could be looking at a league that stars are spread out more than we're used to. And in the East, too, moving pieces in the East already. It appears Kyrie Irving's going to go down to Brooklyn and sign that $140 million mega deal with the Brooklyn Nets, start a new era down there. D'Angelo Russell, his qualifying offer, his cap hold, looks like it's going to be rescinded down there. So they're taking a clear stand on what direction they're going in Brooklyn. Then good luck to them. We, I don't want to be that guy, Kangu, but... Aren't you a little scared if you're a Nets fan? You're looking to North at what happened with Boston this year. You're reading the Jackie Mack piece this week. And all of a sudden, you're betting the next half decade on Kyrie Irving. Maybe alone. Maybe with Durant. They're getting a Durant meeting. But if you get Durant even, you're missing next year. And it's completely uncertain after that. You you get in the game on superstars, but this is about as scary as it gets when you're going in on superstars. Yeah, and I mean, it's you know, it's it's fun to make jokes about the Celtics, but they're a well-respected organization with the well-respected front office and coaching staff. So the fact that you know Kyrie kind of went out the way he did there isn't a good look. No matter like what goes on on Twitter, it's not a good look for him. And um, like we've heard, like the Nets are also a little worried. Like they're obviously going to take him because because it's our talent, and maybe they're hoping you know he's closer to home. He chose to go there. Um, he's signing the long-term deal, so it's like even in the event that maybe he's fed up after two years, he's still a trade chip. He's young enough that he could still net assets for him. So it's not as big of a risk per se as maybe the Celtics um, went through. But definitely, if there's a situation where he's a lone star, you have to really kind of be on your toes after after some of the things you heard about his leadership skills in Boston. So. Cross my fingers for them because they're a good team. They're a smart team. They don't deserve <laughs> to have something like that happen to them after the way they worked at, um, back from that Nets Celtics deal. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen to them. But for sure, like without another star, things could get very dicey there. Yeah, and it's all young players. It's sort of that same situation that the Celtics had when they were acquiring Irving. They have to get ready for that division between the veterans on the team, more specifically. Irving and all the young players that they have out there and the rest of them and it's so great that it's going to be happening in the backyard of Boston there's going to be four meetings a year between these two teams I've been saying this whether he goes to Boston or doesn't this is going to be a rivalry four years now Kemba versus Kyrie the old team versus the new team this is possibly going to be a battle for the top of the Eastern Conference next year depending on how good the Nets are next year and depending on how that center position shakes up for the Celtics, it, it, this is just thrilling. It, this is going to be the best rivalry, I think, that we've seen in the East since those early Paul Pierce-LeBron James battles between the Cavaliers and Celtics. There really hasn't been a dynamic of rivalry like this than the one that seems to be brewing between the Nets and Celtics just this day. Yeah, and I mean, I'm interested to see if Kyrie will ever play a game in Boston because you know he he he, I don't think he's gone back to the Cavaliers since to Cleveland rather since the home opener. So we'll see if he does that same ducking act when it comes to playing in Boston. I don't think he can do it throughout the duration of the four years, but it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and really like because he's going to go into a situation where 
um, he burned a lot of bridges from even like the biggest green teamers. And that first game is going to be pretty electric. So oh, it's going to be incredible. You got to be in the building that night. That's going to be a marquee matchup. Wait till the schedule drops. That's going to be the most anticipated Celtics game I can think in recent memory. Yeah, so excited for that. Good luck to the Nets. It's great. It is amazing how things have shaken out. Now, you look at the other side of this, what the Celtics really had to give up for Kemba. It's not just Irving, Kemba swap. You got Horford going out the door, which is still devastating. Now, none of this happens if Horford stays. You're looking at a full youth movement with him easing that in. So we're weighing the Kemba boost versus that stable force in Horford. I think you're looking at a little bit of a net loss there, especially on the defensive side. But the upside of this team is higher. The thing is, you also lose depth options. Morris, Roger, even Brad Wanamaker's out of the picture now. They rescinded his cap hold today. The only guy who could possibly be coming back is Daniel Tice. So specifically at that big man spot, they sacrificed a lot to get here. It's not like they made those decisions, but a lot went out the door for this to happen. Are you worried yes. about the depth of the team? So, for one, let's just have a quick moment of silence for Brad Wanamaker, one of the greatest point guards ever. Who did, did he not get enough get a of a chance? To play. He did not, and he took a pay cut to come here. I felt really bad for him. I mean, granted, it's 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 the risk you take when you come from overseas. But I mean, he came. He obviously came here to play a role that was never given to him. It was never looked like it was planned to give to him and he was he was professional about it you know he came in every day when he got in the game he made an impact um if I was him I'd just go back overseas because I mean he left he left like substantial money on the table to come play in the NBA so feel bad but you know that's the nature of the business but to answer your question um I kind of think the lack of depth could actually work in the Celtics favor Cause in their favor, huh? Let me let me explain. Because I think that a big problem for them this year was the fact that they did kind of have a little bit too much mouth to feed. I know everyone has kind of hyper focused on um, Kyrie shot attempts and things and things like that. But I think a bigger problem is the fact that they had maybe like um, 11, 12 guys who were expecting like rotation minutes, and you had guys that were pressed like a Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris that like. They need to get their shots. They need to do that. And they were more willing to break the flow of the offense. And Steven's offense is so much predicated on, like, player decision-making within a scheme. It's not set plays. It's, like, read and react. And if you're thinking, I need to get a shot, rather than, like, reading and reacting to the play, like, it messes up the whole offense. And that can very much lead to kind of this domino effect where one person does it, the next person does it, and suddenly, like, you're not even running in. NBA offense anymore. It looks so like think, they're going to be in a similar position to last year, though, because you look at the wing position, especially drafting two more wings as they did, more of a small ball four guy in Grant Williams. They're going to be rotating in a lot of guys on that wing position. The only one you're losing is Marcus Morris. And, you know, he was taking up minutes there, but he was also playing better than anybody. He was earning those minutes. So you're still looking at lower ball time for Brown and Tatum. They have to earn it. And then you get down the Shemi Ojale, who they just guaranteed. It doesn't look like he's going to have a spot on there. It's it's a tricky situation on the wing. You know, they break up the big man position, Kangu, but Al Horford was so reliable there. 
that you didn't even have a problem with him dominating that spot. The big, big logjam on the team was at wing, and I don't think that's changed at all. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll push back a tiny bit on that because I think even though there is a lot of wings, um, two things with that. One, you're you're hopefully expecting a better Gordon Hayward, for one, and Gordon Hayward at his best is a playmaker, not just a guy who's going to take a bunch of shots. Like He's going to make others better. He can handle the ball, um, create opportunities for others. And then secondly, the kind of the depth behind them, it's rookies. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't just pencil in guys like Lan, like Langford or Edwards and things like that. Even Shemi, like for consistent minutes, because that hasn't been the case. That hasn't been like the MO. And I think it's more on those guys have to prove that they're even worthy of t- taking minutes from a guy like Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum before they're even given that opportunity. Whereas before, I kind of felt like when last year, Stephen talked, he kind of had to give minutes to a guy like Rozier and he had, he had to give minutes to a guy like Morris, even though, you know, when that New Year hit, he regressed hard and it wasn't pretty. And it was like, it was one of those situations where maybe that was like a rookie, like you take him out, maybe you don't play him as much, you give those minutes to someone else, but you can't when it's like a vet and one of like the most vocal guys on your team. So I think like the lack of depth can help with the, with the role definition that was so clearly lacking last year. And ultimately, like it could end up being a being a plus for them. Though I can't speak to um, the loss of corporate because that one there's really no replacement for that. A lot of people are clamoring in the comments right now about the loss of Morris. How big of an impact do you think that's going to be? He was certainly the most steady offensive shooting hand on this team these last two seasons. He was just rock solid in that in between area. He was one of the better guys at getting to the rim for this team. He was really the only guy who took that small ball four position and embraced it. He wasn't great at it, but he was the guy filling a lot of the minutes there. Plus a very, very vocal presence on this team. He's out the door now officially with this move. Yeah, and I mean, Marcus Morris was very good in the first half of last year to the point where the Celtics were actually marketing him as an all-star, which I think now seems like ancient history but that was like a that was like a legit thing he was a 50 um, 40 90 guy it was unbelievable yeah, he, was, he was legit but the thing with that is he regressed hard that like as soon as the new year hit like his numbers completely went down the tank his efficiency and all that went down the tank and it'll be interesting to see how they replace that small ball for because i don't think a lot of people are anticipating that Gordon Hayward is going to play that role. Though, I think everybody got a little bit of a chance last year, and it only went well for Morris. Tatum tried it. I think he's gotten pushed around, up faked into oblivion there. He's still skinny. You know, Shemi's gotten a chance here or there, but he's just not a guy who's going to be consistently in the rotation. Grant Williams yeah. is the guy I look at there who might be able to make his money playing that position consistently rookie year. But in terms of starting, though, I, I think a big key for them, unless they plan on, because um, they don't even have like the two bigs where they could like put one of the, like you're for sure putting one of the wings on the bench to then play like Horford and Vance. They don't have that anymore. So I do feel like one of these wings is going to be the quote unquote small ball four. And go, I feel like um, Jalen and Hayward have kind of done it a little bit. Um, with varying levels of success, but Hayward is a taller player. Um, he's the more positionally sound player, and 
he's closest in terms of I think strength that they have to, and and, ter- and someone who would, who's probably going to start to a guy like Morris. So it's going to be interesting to see like if, if he's going to come in like expecting to play that role. Because I mean, to me, that's kind of like I'm I'm assuming the starting lineup is going to be Walker, um, Jalen or Smart, Tatum, Hayward, and then the what, whatever big they can get. So I think you go with smart I, because he's as close to a big man as they have right now. <laughs> I mean, it might it might be smart, but then on the flip side of that, you have to think about the playmaking off the bench. And if you have all your best playmakers starting, are you gonna what just hand hand the keys to Carson Edwards? Yeah, I think Langford? there's a chance they do. That's it. That'd be interesting. I mean, it would speak well to 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 those guys if they're able to handle that. But I'm a little skeptical of that. But we'll see. Has Grant Williams gotten a weird Celtics Twitter nickname yet? Um, no. I mean, he's. I've seen him on memes. I have not seen him actually get a name yet. I, I think that's coming for summer league. Once people actually see him play in a full game, I think, I think the creative juices will start flowing. But maybe so, I'm wrong, and they have one. Summer league starts July 5th. Maybe we'll do some live post game for that. I. I'm thinking about the big man position, as everybody is. Not as obsessively as some of these fans are. I get the tweets every single day. We need a center. We need Capella. The Capella mania that was going on over the last three, four days reached a point where people were giving up Jalen Brown for him as a salary dump, and I was just appalled. I'm like, are you kidding me? Capella was outstanding for that Houston team, but he was playing with Chris Paul, James Harden, getting lobs off their pressure. The the center position is going to be what it is right now as far as their flexibility goes. At least from my perspective, $4.8 million, Whoever's going to take that room exception is going to fill in a little bit there. And it is what it is. Robert Williams, Gershon, Yabusele, those guys haven't been able to get it done. Williams has only had a year, but it's time for them. they got to step up, enter this rotation, make the money that they've been making now and actually play like they can't baby those center prospects anymore now they're going to get a veteran in there for very cheap i think you know i'm not i'm not sold that they're going to get kevin looney like you're dreaming of kangu but it really is going to be on those young guys at the center spot i think so with how little flexibility this team has right now because they're not getting robin lopez i don't think yeah i think dwayne deadman too many people know about him at this point like that 4.8 million isn't going to take them too far yeah, and I mean, um, they're obviously going to get to keep Tice, right? So they'll have Rob Williams, as you brought up. And then it's kind of like, do you think you can get Todd Gibson? Do you think you can get um, Martian Gortat, Ed Davis, Thomas Bryan, Joaquin Noah? I mean, those are, assuming you don't get Looney, which I, I do agree with you. I, I do think he's going to get priced out. Um, I'm a little more skeptical on, on Robin Lopez. I think he might be able to be, be, be swayed by um a, a potential starting spot after what he went through in Chicago he might be able to be swayed by that um same thing with Taj who I like is like a vet and someone that can like mentor Rob but but to your point I do think a lot of this is going to be kind of like how the Patriots use um running backs like it's going to be like a by committee thing it's going to be based off what Steven sees the flow of the game as and what he wants from that position at that moment and it's gonna you're, you're gonna have to see what you have in guys like um, Yabusele, Williams, um, Tice, and maybe even get a little crazy with with some Shemi. So it'll be interesting. But obviously, like 
there's no real replacement for Al. So this is definitely going to be a by committee. Job. Yeah, it's it's been very hard for me looking at these replacement options because it's very easy to compare each one of them to uh, Al Horford, and that replacement just doesn't exist. Even yep. these rock solid guys, and I would love Lopez. The idea of Anus Cantor fits. It definitely does, as they're saying in the comments here, but I just dread this becoming a horrible defensive team. This team's been so excellent, so grounded in solid defense the last two, three years that seeing Kemba, Brown, those lineups with Tatum in it, struggling at the forge, just all of these guys being thrown in the pick and roll and then throwing Cantor into that equation, it's already going to be a massive adjustment losing the direction of Horford. Like He was their floor general as far as their defense went. To go from that to Cantor is going to be tricky for me. I think you're going to have to go with a guy who's grounded in defense at the very least. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, it's real, one interesting thing about that is um, the Celtics might actually have to change how they how they defend the pick and roll. This is probably not the podcast where in deep X and O's, but if they are interested in a guy like Ennis Cantor, it could be pointing to the fact that they're going to have to start doing things like dropping the big more, which is, again, putting more pressure on uh, – the perimeter guys and it could be like an adjustment that's something to look forward to because usually they had a lot of like icing and things like that so that switch could be something interesting i do think ennis cancer is a little problematic um i've i've kind of challenged my thought on that a little bit it's too kind bad of too because he does everything else so well yeah and and then like you kind of watch the playoffs and it's like he, he was a starting center for a team that made the Western Conference Finals. And he was killing the could, Warriors in the minutes he played. Yeah, and, like, you could obviously bring up the fact that, like, look, the Nuggets don't have, like, this killer elite piano, uh, pick and roll guy who's going to, like, kill them. And the Thunder have Westbrook who's going to take inefficient shots anyway and probably live with the shots that he takes. But, I mean, like, you look at kind of like the East and, like, Okay, like there's there's Kyrie, but at the top there's Eric Bledsoe, Kyle Lowry, who's the Sixers point guard, Ben Simmons. He's not scaring anyone scaring anyone with his pull up jumper. Um Indiana maybe with Victor Oladipo, but we'll see how he looks coming back and he's not Indiana has an interesting thing going on at their bench position and I don't know how much flexibility the Celtics have to swing a deal, but you do hear murmurings about DeMontis Sabonis Miles Turner, those type of guys. If they're going in a trade direction, that would be an interesting place for them to go look because they did draft a center and those guys are going to be coming up on their deals. Sabonis, especially, is he a free agent this upcoming season? Sabonis is, I think, the same year as um, Jalen. Yeah. So next year's year that they get paid. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's a cheap organization. Yeah, so, and I also think something with Indiana is I think that that's kind of their thing. Like, you know how the Celtics have a bunch of wings. I think they're a team that really likes a lot of front court depth. Like, I think Sabonis makes you think like, about Brown. Yeah, but then, like, are you, like, for what, though? Because it's like, yeah, you're getting him. He's a big, he can do a lot of the things like Horford can do as a passer. He can kind of do the pick and pop stuff. Um, he's a good rebounder. I get all that stuff. He also still has the same um, limitations as a defender. He's not some guy that now that you have and you're just like, okay, like if we run to the Sixers, he's definitely stopping Embiid. He's not the type of rim protector who's going to put the fear in Giannis or anything like that. 
um, he kind of has a lot of the same, same questions that like even a guy like Ennis Cantor has. And like, do you really want to give up a two way wing for like a, a skilled but limited big? Uh, to me, I think the smarter move is to kind of rely on some of your depth and try to and try to get one of the vets that like this kind of falls to the cracks. I, I think they'll be there, they'll be available, and like they'll work. Like I, I do think you do kind of have to put a little bit more faith in a guy like Robert Williams, who was you know two time Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC. Mm. Like he had a year of rehabbing, not rehabbing, learning the system, things like that, getting bigger, stronger. Um, I don't know if you um, saw this, but Gordon Hayward was on the Pat McFay show. I think that's his last name. Pat and McAfee, they asked yeah, him, the punter. McAfee. Yeah, and, and they asked him who was who was the most impressive young guy or something like that. And he brought up Robert Williams, who's, who's been in Boston working out with him frequently. So Williams and, had moments. He definitely did. That There were a few times where he would just reach up from like a few steps away from the basket and throw it down with ease. He does not have any limitations getting up around the basket at all. The injuries scare me with him more than anything. Is this a fragile guy? He's skinny. Is that going to be the problem with him going forward? Is he going to be able to stay on the court? The good thing about this, Kangu, is that we look at those big men options that they've been trying to develop now the last few years. They can't really hide them anymore. You could say with these guys the last few years, oh, they haven't gotten the opportunity. And you look at Yabusele, there was only about five or six games last year where he did get like significant minutes. So those are guys that are going to have to factor into that equation. I think that's the big takeaway from today as well. Daniel Tice, do you expect him to stay in the fold? I think that's been underrated as some of the commenters are saying here. They're going to keep the cap hold on him. I don't think there's going to be big demand for him around the league. He didn't have an excellent season. But you look at the lineup stats, that guy's been part of some of Steven's uh, steadier lineups the last few seasons. Yeah, and I mean, the thing with Ennis can't, I mean, the thing with Daniel Tice, rather, is um, he's he's skilled, he's smart, he knows how to play on both ends, he even has some floor stretching ability. You just can't play him against a legitimate big. Like, there's a very specific um, kind of, like, role he can play in a very specific situation where he can excel in. It's just you can't put him against a normal big. Like, you put him against a traditional big, he's going to get absolutely destroyed. Like, he's going to get out physical. Um, so... He's a guy that I would want to keep. I think you can keep him on relatively reasonable cash. And you just kind of have him as like your third big to kind of throw in when you do want to go small. Maybe he is a guy that like you consider as like a closing five type of guy in certain in certain lineups or something like that. So yeah, I say I say he's definitely a guy that you're probably gonna see coming back. I just still hope that they kind of get more of a a, a chunkier bay that can handle some of like the monsters in the conference. It sounds like Yabusele is playing summer league. We'll get that roster within the next few days. We won't overload you too much today. Thanks for listening in on Twitter. That's our half hour. That's our instant reaction to Kemba, Kyrie, some of the early movement that's going on in the NBA this afternoon. It sounds like Jimmy Butler is heading to Miami to meet them. I sh- I shouldn't have set up the sentence that way. <laughs> But he is going to be looking at the heat, so even more shakeup in the East possible. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock, we are going to be hopping on at 6 o'clock. You want more podcasts? You want to be annoyed by us more, whichever way you feel about us? We'll be on a lot this week. So, Kangu, 6 o'clock tomorrow. Will I see you then? Uh, You sure will. All right, let's do it. Free agency. 
2019. We'll see you tomorrow. Celtics Vlog Podcast. Subscribe. I'm Bobby Manning. That's Alex Kungu. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you guys.